Hello, and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. Today I'll be reading The Prince Who Feared Nothing. Once upon a time, there was a prince who was tired of living at home in his father's house, and since he feared nothing, he thought, I'll go out into the wide world where I won't be bored. There are plenty of marvelous things to see there. So he took his leave of his parents and set out on his journey. He was on the move from morning till evening, and he followed the road no matter where it led him. One day he happened to come to a giant's house, and since he was tired, he sat down in front of the door to rest. As he began examining his surroundings, he noticed some playthings laying in the giant's yard, several huge bowling balls, along with nine pins as big as a man. After a while, he felt like playing, so he set up the nine pins and began to bowl. Whenever the pins fell, he yelled and shouted and was in good spirits. The giant heard the noise, stuck his head out of a window, and spotted a human being who was no bigger than other humans and yet was playing with his nine pins. "'Hey, you little worm!' the giant yelled. "'How can you bowl with my nine pins? Where did you get the strength to do that?' The prince looked up, saw the giant, and said, "'You clumsy oaf! You think you're the only one with strong arms?' I can do whatever I feel like doing. The giant came down, watched with great amazement as he bowled and said, Remarkable! If that's the kind of human you are, go and fetch me an apple from the tree of life. What do you want with it? asked the prince. I don't want it for myself, replied the giant, but for my bride, who's been wanting it for some time. I traveled all around the world but couldn't find the tree. I'll find it for sure, said the prince. I can't imagine that anything would prevent me from picking the apple. Don't think it will be easy, said the giant. The garden where the tree's located is surrounded by an iron fence, and there are wild animals side by side in front of the fence. They keep guard and won't let anyone inside. But they'll let me in, said the prince. Well, if you manage to get into the garden and see the apple hanging on the tree, it won't be yours yet. There's a ring hanging in front of it, and you've got to put your hand through it if you want to get the apple and break it off. Nobody has ever succeeded in doing that. I'll succeed, said the prince. He took leave of the giant, went over hill and dale, through fields and forests, until he finally found the miraculous garden. The animals were lying around it, but they had lowered their heads and were sleeping. Nor did they awake when he approached them. So he stepped over them, climbed the fence, and reached the garden safely. Right in the middle stood the tree of life, and the red apples glistened on the branches. He climbed up the trunk, and as he was about to reach for an apple, he saw a ring hanging in front of it. Yet he had no difficulty sticking his hand through the ring and picking the apple. The ring closed tightly around his arm, and suddenly he felt tremendous power surging through his veins. After climbing down the tree with the apple, he did not want to climb back over the fence— Instead, he grabbed hold of the large gate and needed to shake the gate only once before it burst open with a loud noise. Then he went out, and the lion that had been lying in front of the gate woke up and sprang after him, but the lion was neither furious nor ferocious. Rather, he followed the prince meekly, as if the prince were his master. The prince brought the promised apple to the giant and said, You see, I had no difficulty getting it. The giant was happy that his wish had been fulfilled so quickly, he rushed to his bride and gave her the apple that she had desired for such a long time. She was a beautiful and smart maiden, and when she noticed that the giant was not wearing the ring on his arm, she said, I won't believe that you were the one who fetched the apple until I see the ring on your arm. 
I just need to go home and get it, said the giant, who thought it would be easy to take it from the human by force if he would not give it up of his own free will. So the giant demanded the ring from the prince, who refused to give it to him. The ring must be wherever the apple is, said the giant. If you won't give it to me of your own free will, you'll have to fight me for it. They wrestled with one another for a long time, but the giant could not get the better of the prince, who had been strengthened by the magic power of the ring. Then the giant thought of a trick and said, All this fighting has made me hot, and you too. Let's go for a swim in the river and cool ourselves off before we begin again. Since the prince did not suspect anything devious, he went with him to the river, took off his clothes and the ring as well, and jumped into the river. The giant immediately grabbed the ring and ran away with it, but the lion, who had seen him steal it, set out after the giant, ripped the ring out of his hand, and brought it back to his master. Then the giant hid behind an oak tree, and when the prince was busy dressing himself again, the giant attacked him and poked out both his eyes. Now the poor prince stood there, blind and helpless. The giant came back again, seized his hand like someone who wanted to guide him, and led him to the edge of a high cliff. Then he left the prince standing there and thought, Just a few more steps and he'll fall to his death, then I'll be able to take the ring off. But the faithful lion had not abandoned his master. He held on tightly to the prince's clothes and gradually pulled him back. When the giant came to rob the dead man, he saw that his trick had been in vain. There must be a way to get rid of such a weak human like that, he said to himself angrily. Then he took the prince's arm and led him by a different path to the edge of the cliff again. But the lion, who had sensed the giant's evil intention, helped the prince out of danger here, too. When they came to the precipice, the giant let go of the blind man's hand and intended to leave him alone, but right then the lion shoved the giant over the cliff, and he was smashed to pieces on the bottom. The faithful animal pulled his master back from the edge of the cliff once again and led him to a tree beside a clear, flowing brook. There the prince sat down, while the lion crouched over and sprayed water in the prince's face with his paw. No sooner did a few drops wet the sockets of his eyes than he could see something again, and he noticed a little bird that flew right past him and bumped into a tree trunk. Immediately the bird fluttered down into the water and bathed itself in the brook. Then it flew away quickly and made its way through the trees without bumping into them, as if it had regained its sight. The prince realized that this was a sign from God, bent over the water, and washed and bathed his face in it. When he straightened up, his eyes were brighter and purer than they had ever been. The prince thanked God for his great mercy and went on into the wide world with his lion. One day he happened to come upon a castle that was enchanted. A maiden with a beautiful figure and fine appearance stood at the gate, but she was quite black. She addressed him and said, Oh, if only you could release me from the evil spell that had been cast over me. What must I do? asked the prince. You must spend three nights in the great hall of the enchanted castle, she replied. But you must not show the least sign of fear in your heart. They will torture you terribly, but if you can bear it without uttering a sound, then I'll be released from the spell, and they won't be allowed to take your life. I'm not afraid, said the prince. With God's help, I'll try. So he went cheerfully into the castle, and when it became dark, he sat down in the great hall and waited. It was quiet until midnight, but then he heard a loud noise, and little devils began coming out from all corners. They pretended not to see him, sat down in the middle of the hall, started a fire, and began to play a game. When one of them lost, he said, 
Something's wrong. There's someone here who doesn't belong to us, and it's his fault that I'm losing. Hey, you, behind the stove, called another. Just wait, I'm coming to get you. The shrieking became louder and louder. Anyone else who had heard it would have been horrified, but the prince sat there very calmly and was not afraid. Eventually, however, the devils jumped up from the floor and attacked him. There were so many of them that he could not protect himself. They dragged him around the floor, pinched him, stabbed him, beat him, and tormented him. But he did not utter a sound. Toward the morning they disappeared, and he was so worn out that he could barely move his limbs. At daybreak, the black maiden came into the hall, carrying a small bottle with the water of life in it. She washed him with the water, and soon he felt all his pain disappear, and new vigor flowed through his veins. "'You made it through one night safely,' she said, "'but there are two more to go.' She went away again, and as she left, he noticed that her feet had turned white. That night the devils came again and began their game anew. They attacked the prince and beat him much harder than the night before, so that his body was covered with wounds. Yet he endured it all, and they had to leave him after a while." When the sun began to rise, the maiden appeared and healed him with the water of life. Afterward, as she was leaving, he saw with joy that she had already become white to the tips of her fingers. Now he had only one more night to endure, but it was the worst. The devil's pack came again. Are you still here? They exclaimed. We're going to torture you until you can no longer breathe. They stabbed and beat him, tossed him back and forth, and tugged at his arms and legs as if they wanted to pull him apart. Despite it all, he survived and did not utter a sound. Finally, the devils disappeared, but he lay there unconscious and could not move, nor could he raise his eyes when the maiden came and poured the water of life all over him. Suddenly, all the pain was gone, and he felt reinvigorated, as if he had just woken up from a good night's sleep. When he opened his eyes, he saw the maiden standing beside him. She was white as snow and as beautiful as the day is bright." Get up, she said, and swing your sword three times over the stairs, then the spell will be broken. After he had done that, the entire castle was released from the magic spell, and the maiden turned into a rich princess. The servants came and announced that the table was already set in the great hall, and dinner was to be served. Then the couple sat down together, ate and drank, and in the evening their wedding was celebrated midst great rejoicing. The Brothers Grimm Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial No Derivatives License. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, grimlunch.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.